after the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and uh, Mary, the mother of Jesus, went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead people. The angel said to the women, Don't be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He's not here. He is risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go and quickly tell his disciples, He is risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid, yet filled with joy, and ran to tell the disciples. Suddenly, Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him and clasped his feet and worshiped him. And then Jesus said to them, don't be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. God, as we consider these moments, as always, we're praying for insight and understanding today as we engage with your word for who you are, who we are, and for the relationships you're calling us into with you, with each other, and with ourselves. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, as we, you know by now, it's the Resurrection Sabbath. We uh, gathered together in Central Park last week. Some of you at 7 a.m. A few of you at 7 a.m. We went to breakfast together, and then we all gathered together at uh, noon in, at the Nuremberg Bandshell. Unfortunately, Zoomers, uh, it was only in person, so uh, we might have to think about that going forward to see how we can include you in that moment. But it was uh, a great time gathering together. And so today we're imagining what that first Sabbath worship must have been like for the disciples a week after Jesus' resurrection. So uh, they were in shock on Easter Sunday morning, a resurrection Sunday morning, no question about it. But six days later, it had sunk in. And so we're here today to sing and to worship and to consider the implications of the resurrection. So we're going to do something a little bit different today. We have um, a bit of a reflection on the implications of the resurrection. And, uh, but before we do that, let me, let me, let's talk just about the moment, okay, that we just, uh, we just read. Uh, we see here that Jesus, as we talked about last week, is emphasizing Sabbath rest by uh, waiting until after the Sabbath was done for resurrection. It's an important lesson for us that we need to be able to rest in the great God of the universe. And so Jesus rests on Sabbath, rests and waits, and the resurrection takes place. Uh, you'll note there was an earthquake. I thought this was interesting because there's an earthquake when Jesus dies and there's an earthquake when Jesus uh, rises uh, again. The whole earth is affected by the impact of the resurrection, by the implications of Jesus' death. The whole earth is affected. I, I love the fact that you get the picture here in this narrative that uh, Jesus is as excited as the disciples. He sends an angel 
to talk with the women. So the two Marys come, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of Jesus, and they're there early in the morning, and uh, Jesus sends an angel to give them a message. But then uh, he shows up, and you get the, the ideas that Jesus is so excited, like he sent his message, but he's like, I can't, what, what, what am I doing? I can't miss out on this moment. So he comes. He doesn't give them any new information. He comes and says the exact same thing. Listen, tell the brothers we're going to meet in, in Galilee. But this, this same sense of excitement and enjoyment about this moment that he knows the disciples are going to experience, Jesus is experiencing too. He wants to be there with them. He can't wait, so he doesn't wait till Galilee. He comes and shows up. It's also important to note every time we talk about this uh, this momentous moment that it's uh, the women who are there. Women were the first people to communicate the, the good news. Christianity hasn't always valued the contribution of women and uh, shame on us for that. I mean, clearly, the first evangelists, the first people who were going to share the good news were, uh, were women. And so, important to a note. And then, uh, don't be afraid. This is the message over and over. Don't be afraid. Momentous things have happened. Incredible things have happened. But don't be afraid. The angel communicates it. Jesus communicates it. It's a message uh, that we can embrace today. Don't be afraid. God has done something. Something that has never been done before that makes a difference in the world. And don't be afraid. And so with, it's that, with that in mind, this issue of of, of fear and not being a fear and living with hope that we want to consider the implications of the resurrection today. So we're celebrating Resurrection Sabbath. We're here to, do, to talk about the resurrection. And so, again, I thought we'd do something a little different today. For all intents and purposes, we're going to do a little Bible study on the implications of the resurrection. How did the resurrection of Jesus change things, and why is it meaningful for you and for me today? So I have six responses to that. And this response has come from six Bible verses. Now, in the old days, you'd get out your notepad and you might write these down. You don't have to do that. You know why? Because we have an online network. And on the online network, already, these are there. So you, don't, you can turn this off now if you're on Zoom or you can go home and you can just find these on the online network. I'm not suggesting you do that, but they're there. So here's the deal. If you're not already on our online network, now is definitely the moment to go to them. I already saw Brian. He was already uh, given the thumbs up for the question, the, the, uh, the answers to these questions. Again, we've got about eight texts here that are answering uh, the, or these six that correspond with these six responses to this question. How? Did the resurrection of Jesus change things, and what does it mean for me? Okay, so if you're not already on the network, and you're at home or you're here, you can go to avonhope.org, and you can hit community, and there at community is the opportunity to join the network. And I think uh, Michelle is able to just, if you're not new to it, just zap you in, right? You're going to have a couple questions, uh, but I know, I think most of you are already on the network. Okay, and then you're going to go to the worship page today, and in the worship feed, you're going to see these uh, Bible verses. Okay? All right. So while you're doing that, and for those who aren't there, you can already go and see this. You don't have to write this down. Okay, so here they are. Why, why does the resurrection matter? First response, it validates Jesus' claim to be God's son. And we find this articulated in Acts chapter 2. So the disciples immediately after Jesus' ascension, uh, they 
and, and, and uh, the Holy Spirit comes and they start uh, talking about what happened. And uh, this is how they talk about it. This is Acts chapter 2, verses 22 through 36. We skip a few verses there, but you're with me. So, okay, Acts 2, 22, it says this. These are now the disciples uh, preaching for the first time about what happened. Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs which God did among you through him as you, know your, as, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. This is the first time we have the disciples now publicly communicating uh, this message of the resurrection that Jesus died. Everybody here in this crowd, they assumed knew this because the events were a big deal. Uh, they knew that Jesus had died. Now they're communicating what happened after. You nailed him to a tree, but now he is alive because God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. And then if you skip down to verse 36, it says there this. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. The resurrection of Jesus validates Jesus' claim to be the Son of God. Jesus had made that claim while he was teaching that he was the Son of God. People scoffed at this, but now the disciples can, can't come because of the resurrection and say, indeed, it was true. He is God's son. All right, secondly, why does the resurrection matter? What did it do? What does it mean for us? It validates Jesus' teaching as being from God. Not only was Jesus from God, but Jesus' teaching was from God. In Matthew chapter 12, uh, Jesus spoke this about the resurrection that was to come. This is Matthew chapter 12, verse 38. Again, all these passages are in the online portal under the worship feed. Okay, so you can find them there. Matthew chapter 12, verse 38 says, uh, Then some of the Pharisees and teachers of law said to Jesus, Teacher, we want to see a sign from you. And Jesus answered, A wicked and adulterous generation asks for a sign, but none will be given except the sign of the prophet Jonah. So now Jesus is referencing back to one of the ancient prophets of uh, old, Jonah. And he said, No sign is going to be given to you except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man, he's talking about himself, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. So Jesus is saying, look, the, the death, his death and resurrection is going to be evidence that his teaching is from God. Okay, so that's the second implication of the resurrection. It validates that Jesus' teaching, not just Jesus himself, but Jesus' teaching was from God. Three days and three nights he's going to be in the belly of the earth and then the resurrection is going to take place. Are we good? Everybody good? Okay. Uh, thirdly, the resurrection stands as evidence of Jesus' victory over death and the grave. This is articulated with two passages. The first is a a Pauline passage found in 1 Corinthians. That's from the Apostle Paul, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And the second passage comes from the book of Revelation. 
the book that reveals the Lord Jesus. Okay, so Revelation, or for, let's start with 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, uh, verse, starting with verse 54. It says this, when the perishable has been clothed with imperishable, and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true, death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O oh, death, is your victory? Where, O oh, death, is your sting? Jesus was victorious over the grave and over death. By the way, one of my favorite poets, uh, the English poet John Donne. In fact, if you want to find me, I'm, uh, my gamer tag is a Dunn, John Donne, Sonnet X, because that's one of my favorite poems. John Donne, uh, his 10th sonnet, uh, he, he refers to 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 15. Uh, death, uh, you shall die. John Dunn says. He's referencing this idea. Resurrection validates that Jesus has overcome death and the grave. In Revelation chapter 1, it says it like this. This is Revelation chapter 1, verse 17. Uh, this is now another apostle, another follower of Jesus, another uh, uh, student of Jesus. And he is in vision in Revelation. And he's, he's seeing things. And in verse 17 of Revelation 1, it says, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead, and then he placed his right hand on me, and he said, don't be afraid. There's that again. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I am the first and the last. Jesus has to, after his resurrection, keep telling people, don't be afraid, which is understandable, because when you die, we're used to people being dead, staying dead. So when you see a person who has died, Jesus has to say, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead, and now look, I'm alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys to death and Hades. The resurrection affirms that Jesus has overcome death and overcome the grave. This is great news for everyone, anyone who has experienced death, whether the death of a loved one or the death of uh, a family member, a friend, or, or, or if you're facing your, your own impending death. There's good news. Jesus has overcome death and the grave. These implications of the resurrection for the world, for the universe, if you will, and for you and me today. Fourthly, the resurrection secures salvation for humans. It secures our rescue. How are we going to be rescued from our broken selves in this broken world? Uh, the, 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 the New Testament affirms that it's through the resurrection that this happens. It's not through some action that you do on your own. It's not by overcoming your challenges or your brokenness on the own. It's secured through Jesus and his resurrection. Two more passages from the Apostle Paul. Romans chapter 4 and Romans chapter 10. Romans 4 says it like this. Talking about Jesus. He was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. The resurrection did something. It means something. He was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life so that we would have reason to be able to be rescued. Justification. Uh, further in Romans, Romans 10 verses 9 through 10 says it like this. Again, this is Paul. If you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. This is an important passage, by the way, because we are, you know, we're running around trying to figure out how we're going to fix ourselves and how we're going to get it together and how we're going to be a better person. 
Romans 10 gives the, gives the answer. If you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, what? If you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So confessing with the mouth and believing with your heart, what do you believe? You believe in the resurrection. The resurrection has power. It changed things. If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved, for it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it's with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. The resurrection makes a difference. Five, the resurrection serves as the precursor, thank God, for the resurrection of all believers. Of all, if you confess faith and you believe, there's good news because there's resurrection to come for all of us. First Corinthians, this is what Paul, Paul loves to talk about the resurrection. In First Corinthians, he says it like this, but as Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of all of those who have fallen asleep. That when Jesus came out of the grave, that was just evidence of what's gonna happen for everyone who confessed faith in God's work through him. We all have hope in resurrection, and not just a resurrection that happens when we die and need to come back to life, but a resurrection that happens now as we confess faith in him, God starts to transform and change us and make us into the people that God wants us to be and that we want to be. Uh, Paul says it like this in Colossians chapter 2. I know I'm throwing a lot of verses at you. That's why we have the online network, and that's why all of these are already listed there. In Colossians chapter 2 and verse 12, Paul says that like this, having been buried with him in baptism, you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. When you confess faith in Jesus, which is going to at some point uh, lead to baptism, which is that public confession before everyone, once that happens, you go into the grave and you come out as a part of the resurrection. God working in you to transform you, to make you new, and to fix that brokenness that you can't fix on your own. All right, time is going, so i got to keep going. All right, all right, number six. I said there were six. Six. But it's secret. There's a bonus one, because seven. Because how could we not do a seven? When we were so close to seven, I had to add a seventh. Okay, so the six is all of Christianity hinges on the resurrection. Why does the resurrection matter? <laughs> According to the Apostle Paul, all of Christianity hangs on the resurrection. Without it, it's, it we're, we're doomed. First Corinthians chapter 15, verses 14 says this, if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless and so is your faith. If you thought Christianity was just about a bunch of good advice and teaching and, and, and laws, and there's a lot of that in Christianity, right? There's Jesus taught things, but that is not the primary purpose of why Jesus came. It's not the primary purpose of the Bible, because if, if that was the case, then we would just do what Jesus told us to do and everything would be fine, but Paul says no. That's not it. The resurrection is the key because in the resurrection we have hope for new life, and without the resurrection we are doomed. He's talking about himself. He's spent dedicated, at this point, dedicated his life to talking about what God has done through Jesus. And he's like, if the resurrection didn't happen, all my talking and all my preaching is useless and your faith is useless. More than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God, for we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead. But he did not raise Christ 
raise him if in fact the dead are not raised. Verse 16, for if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins and we are desperate. then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are people to be most pitied. Paul is saying the resurrection means something because without the resurrection we just have teaching, and without teaching we only have ourselves to get ourselves together, and with that we are doomed. We are pathetic, and we are not going to achieve what we're hoping to achieve. The resurrection changed things. God is now able to rescue us from ourselves. All right, I said there was a bonus. Here's the bonus. Uh, the resurrection proves that God's ability to overcome injustice with justice. Uh, Jesus was unjustly killed. He didn't do anything wrong. He was unjustly killed, but God was able to take injustice and bring good out of it and make justice from injustice. And so if you're alive in this world and you see injustice around you, which we all do because the world is full of injustice, the resurrection gives us hope that God can take a world that is broken and unjust and bring justice from it. This is what the resurrection does. And so it is right that we would come together six days after we celebrated Jesus coming out of the tomb and, and recognize and acknowledge that the resurrection is everything for us. Paul says we're, we're, we're pitiful if we don't have the resurrection, if it's only about teaching, if it's only about trying to do the right thing and living up to some standard that even Jesus might have given us, we're desperately doomed because we're never gonna live up to that standard. The resurrection gives us hope that we are not alone that God has stepped into the human history and the human story and our story and gives us life for the future. We're not on our own. We're not reliant on just living up to some teaching that's been given to us. You know, every religion in human history has some moral teaching about how you're supposed to live. Every religion has that. If that's all Christianity is about, is living up to some moral code, whatever it be, with all the specifics about what day to worship and what to eat and not weed and how to wear and how to dress and how to do what, if that's it, we are doomed. There's a reason the resurrection is the hope for humanity. God stepped into our story and says, I'm doing it. The things that you can't do, we can't resurrect ourselves. God has done it. And the promise is that as we confess faith with our mouth and believe in our hearts that Jesus was raised from the dead, we have hope for a new future. John 14, Jesus said these words, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He didn't say the Bible is the way, the truth, and the life, or the Ten Commandments is the way, or the truth, or the life, or the, the church that you go to is the way, or the truth, or the, and the life. He said, I, I. Our belief, our faith is rooted not in a set of moral outlines and code. Our belief is rooted in a person. The Lord Jesus died. He rested over parts of three days in the grave. And on that first day of the week, he came out of the grave. 
It's this in which our hope lies. And so exercising our choice to believe God is a God of consent. He's not going to force us to believe this. So exercising our choice, that's why Jesus says, if you confess with your mouth and believe with your heart, there's the consent. If we confess with our mouth and believe with your heart, you will be saved. And the resurrection makes it the difference. It's the why that can happen. If the resurrection doesn't happen, we're reliant on our own selves for fixing ourselves, and we are desperately doomed. And so the resurrection of Jesus reminds us of a bunch of things, but three things in particular. God is not far off and removed. You know, that's been one of the critiques throughout human history is that, you know, God or the gods is far off and removed and doesn't really care about the, the, the doings of humans. It's why this world is a mess. God doesn't care. He created us and left us on our own. The resurrection of Jesus reminds us that that is not the case. God is not far off and removed. He is intimately involved in the human story. The resurrection of Jesus reminds us that you cannot fix your brokenness on your own. You cannot. In fact, you will never fix your brokenness on your own. Without the resurrection, we are desperately, desperately pitiful because we keep trying and not achieving. And finally, the resurrection reminds us that we, that you, are inherently valuable. The creator God created our ancestors because he loves us as his kids. And he's longing for each of us to come and confess faith in him so that we can call ourselves part of the family again. We are inherently valuable. God so loved the world. Not the, not the, the dirt of the world. I mean, he, I mean, she loves that too because he made that. When he's talking about the world, he's talking about humans. He's talking about us. God loved the world so much that he sent his one and only son so that whoever believes in him won't die forever, but will live forever. On this resurrection Sabbath, as we're, we're, we're remembering and imagining what the disciples experienced on that first Sabbath as they came to worship together, probably in a little room or a little cave, just like they worshiped together a few weeks before, we can imagine the excitement that we had. May we have that excitement too. The resurrection means something for this broken world, and this resurrection means something for you today. And so, on this resurrection Sabbath, may you experience God's resurrection power in your life today. Amen.